Welcome to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Podcast, where we bring you amazing guests on the cutting edge of science, health, and business each week to share strategies you can use to get the breakthrough that you are looking for in your life. I am your host, Chris Donahue, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Nevada Gray. We're so glad that you're joining us today, and we'd like to invite you to join our free private Facebook community, Mind Body Breakthroughs. The views expressed on the Mind Body Breakthroughs podcast are the opinions of the hosts and guests and are not to be taken as medical advice, as the hosts and guests do not provide medical care. Information provided is for educational purposes only. You should consult your medical provider in relation to your personal health and prior to making any changes in your diet or fitness. The Mind Body Breakthrough online coaching program is a comprehensive and customizable guide for total body transformation. Its 150 pages will equip you with everything you need for a ketogenic lifestyle, from low-carb to zero-carb carnivore. The program contains a two-week carb cleanse, 30-day keto sample menu, 30-day sample workout guide, and much, much more. These are recipes you will love, exercises you can do, and strategies that you will enjoy making part of your life. From the person who wants to lose a few pounds on low-carb to the person using keto or carnivore to manage serious issues or optimize health and performance, this program has something for everyone. Sections include the carnivore allergy and autoimmune protocol, fasting, toxicity, and advanced strategies for sleep, stress management, cold thermogenesis, sauna, and more. Included with the program is lifetime access to the Mind Body Breakthroughs Coaching Group, where you'll have your questions answered, a support network to help you on your journey. Why pay for monthly memberships or coaching when you can have the best and most cutting-edge information and help at your fingertips anytime you want for as long as you want? Your adventure for a better, healthier life begins today. See the show notes for a discount link to the program and unlimited lifetime coaching. Megan Ramos, welcome to the program. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me on, guys. I'm excited to talk about all things fasting. Yes, it's an honor. I had the privilege of being front row for your talk at Keto Fest this past summer, which was absolutely amazing. And we're going to delve into a little bit of that talk because it's been viral across the community because of the topic of loose skin that goes along with fasting. Uh, For those of our listeners that are not familiar with who you are, could you uh, let us know a little bit about yourself? Yeah, so um, my personal life and professional life sort of crashed heads. Um, Growing up, I was skinny fat. I was diagnosed with fatty liver and PCOS, but no one understood because my BMI was so low. Well, in hindsight, I was a little sack of fat. Like I had brittle bones. I wasn't very strong. Uh, So even though I didn't weigh very much, it was all fat. Um, Because my family history is about as close to a medical nightmare as (laughs) as one can be, I was really keen in preventative medicine. I think I was nine years old when I declared that I was going to be a doctor that treated the cause of disease rather than just treated people with the sim- for the symptoms. Um, and that led me into doing medical research. Um, and I started doing research in nephrology when I was 15. So I had this whole career going along and young, I was, I was sick and the doctors just shrugged their shoulders. Well, she's skinny. We don't understand why she has diseases of fat people. So hopefully she just grows out of it. That's what they told my parents. And well, I was, I was not a dumb kid. I mean, I wouldn't say I was the brightest one, (laughs) but I, I, this scared me. You know, like I understood at 12 that liver disease was not a cool thing. And I wanted to be a mom. I wanted to help people and be a mom. So PCOS, I was Googled it and, you know, realized that that could have fertility implications. So I was pretty freaked out, which even drove my passion for preventive medicine even more. Um, and then, so I'm doing research, I'm done school, I'm now researching full time. I'm totally like, 
totally disheartened by the medical community because no one treats the root cause of conditions. It's here's a prescription for that. Here you go. You get five minutes with me. No one knows why anything's going on. And they pass you around like a hot potato to doctors. So I finished in school and I was going to go back for medical school. And I thought, gosh, do I really want to do this? And then I also thought to myself too, well, Megan, you're taking time off to figure out what you want to do with your life. Like now you realize you can't do what you always wanted to do, but over your years in school, you really let your own diet and health and lifestyle slip. So get it together, girls. So I got it together and I started following all the Canadian food guidelines, working out with a trainer. And all that did was make me fat, fat for the first time in my life and give me type two diabetes. So yay, Canadian food guide. Um, that really didn't have my back. Uh, so then I thought, okay, well now I need to fix me. And and I work with a um, goofy guy. His name's Dr. Jason Fung. He's a nephrologist I teamed up with when I was 15. So here I was, this hot mess at 27 years old. And he was really frustrated, too. I mean, he was, it's a few years off of turning 40. What did I get myself into in this career? All I do is watch people die. So he had been looking at some out-of-the-box stuff, and he's like, try eating low-carb. And well, for a girl who sustained a lot of her life on McDonald's, um, low-carb and cooking in general was confusing. Um, so not eating was really easy. And then not eating made me feel good, made me lose weight. And then that made me want to feel good all the time, which got me into the low-carb and keto space. So in six months of fasting and changing my foods, I lost all kinds of weight. I've lost 86 pounds to date. I kept it off for almost a decade. Um, I have reversed diabetes, fatty liver, and PCOS. And then I realized that, hey, I can actually help people. I don't have to give up on that dream. And I get to be a mom when the time is right. Um, so everything worked out. And I, so I was going through my journey. My research patients in nephrology said, hey, we don't care what you're doing. Like We've watched you come back from the dead. And uh, and you look amazing. So tell us what it is you do. So we started our fasting clinic in Toronto, which grew into an online educational and coaching uh, program for fasting. We will guide people through the feasting, but we really try to focus on the fasting component of it. Um, and and sort of that's our area of expertise. So that's uh, that's the my crazy past my life has ended up so um you know really happy that I get to live out my dreams hopefully hopefully I'll be a mom in early 2021 uh <laughs> awesome well we are just super honored to have you on Megan we love what you and and Dr. Fung do um you know, can you just take a few minutes and go over in a nutshell the benefits of fasting? I mean, if you could take the benefits of fasting and put it in a pill, it would be the all-time bestseller cure-all pill. So tell us, what, what can fasting do for us? I think two, the two main real benefits of fasting is the first one is reducing insulin. And we've learned since we've switched our diets to this refined diet that's low in fat and high in carbs, that high levels of insulin are super toxic for the body, cause cardiovascular disease, cause diabetes, cause conditions like PCOS, cause a lot of cancers and tumor growth. So, um, so the fact that it can really, really drive down insulin levels and even break the cycle of insulin resistance on its own is really powerful. And then one that we're learning more and more about is autophagy. So autophagy is a cellular recycling process in the body where we can get rid of old cells, uh, new cells put together, or, or sorry, old cells and damaged cells put together new healthy cells. Um, and it's got great benefits for anti-aging and disease prevention and even disease treatment in certain cases as well. Yes. And speaking from personal experience, I come from PCOS, similar background uh, to yourself, and I've lost over 90 pounds. Awesome. And one, one of the things I noticed and one of the things that I intuitively was doing was 
eating every other day due to listening just to my hunger signals. So I was intuitively fasting without even realizing uh, that I was doing that. And that's why I found your talk at Keto Fast so extremely interesting uh, because you spoke about minimal loose skin in patients on a ketogenic diet. And I was just wondering if you could give us the 101 on that talk um, as far as the mechanism and strategies that people can use. Yeah, absolutely. It's the funniest thing. So Jason and I had this fasting clinic going for a while. And we had a patient come in and he lost 160 pounds and he literally had no loose skin. And so he's in his 60s. So he wasn't as firm as like an Aussie surfboarder (laughs) um, in their 20s, but he had no loose skin. And he said, Megan, doctor, you know, Fung, why don't I have any loose skin? And Jason and I sort of looked at each other and we're like, huh. Um, And then Jason looked at me and said, well, you're like five feet tall and lost almost 100 pounds. You don't have any loose skin. And I never really thought about it. Um, So when you are fasting for certain durations of time, you are going to get some protein being broken down in the body. And for some reason, society just clings on to this fact that our bodies hate us and they always want to cause us harm and causes damage. Well, that's not the case. Most often your body is your friend and it wants to do what's in your best interest. So when you're fasting, your body's fueling off of body fat. Now, as you gain body fat, your body has to build connective tissue to support that body fat. So when you fast, you start to burn through that body fat. So then you just have connective tissue that really has no purpose. That's quite expensive to maintain. And the body likes to keep costs low. It likes to, you know, lower the cost because then that benefits you in terms of longevity. So when you're fasting, you're burning through that fat, but then you also do see some protein loss through a process called gluconeogenesis because your body will have to convert some protein to glucose. So what is your body going to pick? You know, is it going to pick that now useless connective tissue to break down that serves absolutely no purpose and drains the body metabolically? Or is it going to go for your strong biceps that has a lot of purpose and a lot of function? No, it's not. It's going to go for that loose skin that no longer serves a purpose in the body. Jason always uses this great analogy that if you're at a cabin in the woods in the middle of a snowstorm and you want to make a fire and you've got a hundred chopped logs of firewood on the porch, are you going to take the firewood or are you going to go grab a saw and start hacking up your sofa and your coffee table to make a fire? Like it literally makes no sense to do that with the sofa and the coffee table. That's functional. It's expensive. Um, Whereas a firewood, you know, its purpose is to provide you with fire. So when you're fasting and when you get into certain periods of time when you're fasting, you're going to start to see this gluconeogenesis start to occur. And your body will break down now the useless protein in that excess connective tissue. What worries some people is when they're quite slender and they don't have a whole lot of body fat and they're looking to fast. So someone who's notable that I've worked with is a UFC fighter and a world heavyweight champion or middleweight champion, um, George St. Pierre. I had no idea who this guy was till uh, I got an email from his team, Um, but he fasted for colitis. And so for fasting for colitis, we want autophagy. Um, When you get into a state of autophagy really depends a lot on your diet. Um, so his diet, you know, was good, but not like low carb or keto centric. So he needed to fast for longer periods of time. Well, he's 7% body fat and I need him to fast for 48 hours. So what's going to happen there is, so he doesn't have connective tissue. He doesn't have body fat to burn off of, but then this is where you get into the fast feast cycle or the fast feeding cycle too. So in a guy like George, when he does fast for these longer periods of time to experience autophagy, um, you do see some muscle mass being broken down a little bit. But when you're fasting, your body produces counter-regulatory hormones, uh, most notably human growth hormone or HGH. So when you fast, you get a lot of this human growth hormone being produced. I mean, it peaks at three days and it stays quite elevated, even five days into a fast. 
So someone like George, who likes to, he chats on Instagram all the time about his next five-day water fast. So how he doesn't waste away and get stronger is, yeah, he gets some muscle breaking down during the fast because he's such a lean guy. But he has all this human growth hormone. And then he breaks his fast. He enters the feeding cycle. He gets an insulin increase. He gets amino acids from all that protein that he eats. He has a combination of the human growth hormone being elevated. And well, that's the perfect storm to build. Um, so actually, he's gained lean mass with all of these fasts rather than lost lean mass. So even in people who are on the leaner side of things, I mean, the whole feast fast cycle and the physiology of it, you know, is designed to make us stronger. If you think back to sort of traditional societies, you know, they weren't thought of as you know these slugs crawling on the ground they were thought of strong and lively and energetic and able to conquer all kinds of climate and terrain things that people nowadays can never do so you know when you're on the heavier side of things looking to lose fat you know this breaking down of protein is actually a good thing because you don't want to have that excess skin you want to get that skin clipped clipped away and you don't want to be dumping metabolic money to maintain collect like the use of excess connective tissue i mean that's just going to send you into the ground faster it's not good for aging at all um but even when you're on the slender side of things you know the whole feast fast cycle really helps keep you keep you strong so gluconeogenesis from fasting is not something to be scared of whether you've got excess body fat to burn or you don't as long as you're entering the refeeding cycle properly yeah that's awesome and i love that about jason and yourself just this respect for the wisdom of the body you know it it knows what to break down and what not to and it's just amazing through fasting i mean i myself have lost you know, 220 pounds through the carnivore diet and fasting and counting. But besides the, the fat, I mean, I've had lipomas that were lifelong that have gone away, uh, ganglion cysts, skin tags. It's like all of this unnecessary things. And when clients have seen tumors dissolve, just really, really, really amazing stuff. Um, one of the things that I was interested in talking about is the effect of fasting on the brain and mm -hmm. touching Alzheimer's and upregulating BDNF, those types of things. We know Alzheimer's, they're calling it type three diabetes. And I wondered if you could talk about that process a little bit. So with terms of fasting, um, the whole, the whole hope of fasting in Alzheimer's patients is to experience this protein. Um, so we can get all those old damaged proteins that are causing the problem, get them broken down, get them recycled and start to see some repair. Unfortunately, I don't have a tremendous amount of experience working with people clinically who do have Alzheimer's disease or dementia because it's really hard to get them to fast or to get their support network on board. Uh, so I haven't personally seen too much uh, in terms of fasting and autophagy in clinic, but theoretically it's the autophagy, it's the break breaking down of that protein that should help a lot theoretically. Um, I have been able to work with some patients and guiding them through a ketogenic lifestyle, their support workers and themselves are more eager to do that. And when we do know we get autophagy occurring as well from a deep state of ketosis. So, uh, so that's, that's sort of my limited experience with autophagy and fasting and Alzheimer's disease. Yes. And you're also seeing a lot of very interesting, um, developments in women, especially older women that you're working with. And Chris and I are huge in the mind body breakthroughs on reinventing yourself in the second half of life. And a lot of people think, oh, it might be too late for me uh, to start a diet. You know, my, my skin is not what it used to be. My body's not what it used to be. Um, could you speak to what you guys are seeing in your clinic? Because it's, it's truly amazing what's happening. It's really wild, the benefits that older women um, <laughs> who are experiencing. 
through fasting, younger women, older women, all stages of life, so much so that I got really aggravated um, seeing uh, a young gentleman uh, who doesn't work with people for fasting absolutely condemn fasting for women on Twitter, and then me reaching out to my publisher and saying, you know, you wanted me to write a book? This is what I want to write about. And I just want to share clinical observations, try to draw on the best scientific explanations that we can think of now to try to explain these phenomenons and share the stories of my female patients to let them know how important of a tool fasting is for them. So not only do we see tremendous weight loss from women in terms of body fat reduction, just as equal as men. Women tend to have to fast a little bit more aggressively than men to lose the weight. If I were to take two seven, a 70-year-old male and a 70-year-old female, a 70-year-old male would probably do very well in a 24-hour fasting regimen, whereas the female, I would try to guide her to a 36 or 42-hour with the odd longer fast. But they're getting excessive body fat reduction and also by encouraging them to do these longer fasts and getting the growth hormone production, we're actually seeing dramatic improvements in bone mass density, uh, complete reversals actually of osteoporosis, uh, which is quite astounding. I was even mind blown, you know, when we had, we had this one woman come in and her weight hadn't changed, but she lost eight inches around her waist. And she had terrible osteoporosis. And I was a little bit just confused by the whole ordeal. I mean, it had only been a couple months. What's going on? I understood growth hormone. But this just seemed to be like too much, like too incredible of result uh, to have without really seeing it reflected on the scale. How could she have gained that much lean mass in such a short period of time? And Jason requested a, a DEXA bone mass density scan. And like this woman had horrendous osteoporosis, just the, the kind of osteoporosis where it's like, be extra careful in the winter because if you break your hip, it's probably game over. And her bone mass density was that of like a woman my age, uh, which is really incredible. So osteoporosis is, is great something that we've seen a big improvement on. Another thing is anti-aging is something in the population of postmenopausal women that's become really sort of bizarre. So, <laughs> so women were coming in telling me they were spotting again and then they were getting their periods. And I thought, okay, there's, you know, you burn body fat, you release estrogen, hormones are going to be off, but we're not like, we're not triggering more reproduction in these women. So, you know, for a while, we would let women know that they might start to have their spot or to have their periods again for a few months. But then a few months turn into six months, turn into 12 months, turn into 18 months and even longer in some cases. So I've had, I was saying earlier uh, before when we were chatting that a 70 or eight year old woman who's now consistently had her period almost exactly 28 days cycles uh, for the last two years. And for the longest time, I just kept telling her, oh, it will pass. Oh, it's not going to, um, not going to uh, stay, you know, it, it's, it's silly. And she said, now, Megan, I'm worried about getting pregnant at 78 years old. So can you give me some of the updates on what's new in contraception? And I'm giggling because like never in my life would I thought I would be in this position counseling women on the latest and the greatest in birth control. I don't even, <laughs> I'm old, I'm married. I don't even know anymore. Um, so so I just start to laugh. Um, but another thing um, that it was funny, a doctor, we were training a doctor to do fasting and she was opening up a satellite clinic for us in Toronto. And she sent me a text message and said, Megan, I just had a woman come in with brunette roots. And I didn't really think anything, anything of it. And then the next week in clinic, I started paying attention to the hair color of a lot of my patients. And I noticed that, you know, the locks were gray, but the roots were not. And I started talking to them about it. And they said, oh, do you know what? We've started to notice this, but we thought maybe it was just in our minds. Like maybe we're the only ones seeing it. Like this is not physiologically possible. We're 67, we're 77. Um, 
72. Like, this isn't physiologically possible. So we thought it was all in our heads or our eyes are failing on us or tricking us into thinking so. But no, we've actually now, you know, several years down the road, had women have to stop dyeing their hair color or actually dye their gray out at the bottom to match the roots that are coming in. So we're seeing so many interesting things in this area of postmenopausal women that it's not only is it is it beneficial for weight loss, diabetes, but osteoporosis, you know, this you're sort of told, you know, now you're 30, 35 years old, well, you've got to keep a mass on your, or an eye on your bone mass density, you're going to waste away, especially if it's in your family history is what they like to say to people. But you've got that. And then you've got like true physiological anti-aging happen. One of our fasting coaches, Brenda Zorn, um, she hadn't had her period for five years. She went through menopause quite early, and now she's had her period consistently for four years. Uh, and she was someone, too, who's noticed that her hair was starting to turn a little bit more gray, but now it's not at all anymore. And these were things that she was so afraid to say online until she hooked up with us. And we started talking about what we were seeing with our patients. And she said, I was afraid to go out there and sound like a total lunatic, but this is my story. Um, so I want to write this book. I want to get the stories out there of the patients. We want to try to offer some sound scientific explanations. So we're working on, on that right now and, and get that out there. So hopefully a lot of um, a lot of women out there that are afraid of fasting start to embrace it. Even we started a new person on our team, but on the business side of things on Tuesday, and she came to clinic with me and she said, oh, my stepmom is interested in fasting, but she's going through menopause. And she's really worried that it's going to screw her up hormonally. And I'm just like, no, no. So I, I need to make this book for all the women out there who just think that it's, you know, game over, you know, once they go through menopause. What are some of the improvements that you're seeing in women hormonally um, across the spectrum? Because uh, I know that you work with a lot of women uh, that have PCOS, uh, endo endometriosis, and various metabolic and, and hormonal issues. And I'm just wondering if you could speak to what you're observing with fasting and improvement in the hormones and possibly a mechanism for what could be happening. So we're just we've just really gotten into this space where we're trying to explain what we're seeing in, in the clinic. You know, for women that are in menstruating age, a lot of them come in with PCOS, really irregular periods. Um and all kinds of side effects of PMS. And, you know, within about four months of fasting, they start having regular menstrual cycles. The period, the, the symptoms of PMS go away almost completely. Uh, the food cravings, e even minor things like that completely dissipate. Women who could never get through their period without feasting on a lot of junk are suddenly able to get through it in fasting. So the benefit and improvements we really think are associated with the reduction in PCOS, which we know insulin is sort of the primary driver of PCOS. So we think the fasting, just reducing the overall insulin levels in the body is a big trigger as to why we're seeing a lot of these improvements. With women who have PCOS and start fasting, we often find that their periods become even more irregular for the first couple of months. And then it's sort of between the four and six month mark of their fasting that we start to see them regulate. Uh, we start to see anatomically too, like this is completely go away. Uh, within the, the six months of fasting, um, allowing the ovarian function to, to function normally. The most incredible story we have with a woman with PCOS is she didn't have her period for two and a half years. Um, she was young. Her mom dragged her into the clinic at 21 years old, and she's, she's given me permission to share her story. So she was 21. Her mom came in. I mean, at 21 years old, you're not thinking much past what happens after the weekend. And she worked at a fast food joint. Uh, I gather that she is a life of the party um, on the weekends with her friends. And her 
she had had some luck losing weight through keto before, but wasn't able to sustain it enough on on its own. So her mom had read the obesity code written by my colleague and dragged her daughter into the clinic. So I met with her um, without her mom. And she said, listen, like, I'll change my diet like three out of four days of the week. And I said, okay, how about you don't eat three out of four days of the week? And let's shake on that. I won't give you grief for the French fries or the potato chips, the pizza or the beer, but let's just start fasting three times a week. And we, we literally shook on it because she was there to negotiate her diet. And, uh, she started fasting four months into it. She started having regular periods. So it will be a year this December that she started. Um, and she's had a consistent period since the springtime this year, even without the diet being perfect. Um, during the summer months, though, she was able to sort of get the keto diet under control, tends to go out the window a little bit during her school semesters and when she's back working at the fast food joint. But it's, that's been the most impressive story because I'm telling you, a diet like a 21-year-old college kid who likes to party on the weekends, um, you know, even then I told her mom that I didn't think fasting could be enough. I thought the diet would have to be there, but let me see if I can get some weight loss with her going on um, just doing the fasting alone, and maybe that would inspire her to change her foods just like it did with me. And her mom said, all right, you know, I won't pressure her. Let's just get her fasting. Um, but even without really changing her diet, all of that drastically for her to have that result is, is really quite impressive. She's lost all kinds of weight, primarily in her abdominal region. Um, no symptoms, again, associated with PCOS or sorry, PMS or PCOS. Uh, her fasting serum insulin levels, we use picomoles moles per liter here. They went from 608 down to 49 the last time we did blood work uh, in less in less than a year. Um, so ideally, I'd like to get her, you know, under 20 picomoles per liter once we get the diet a little bit more stabilized. But I mean, that's pretty, that's a pretty impressive drop in insulin. It was one of the higher fasting insulin levels to come into our clinic. Her C-peptide level was also way through the roof too. Yes, and that's an absolutely incredible story. And I just wanted to follow up with a question because I know Chris um, wants to jump in here too as well. As far as uh, your observations with the nutrition component in combination with fasting, could you speak to what you're observing with a carnivore diet versus a ketogenic diet in women that are severely insulin resistant? Yeah, so our new protocol for women who come into our clinic is if they're willing to try carnivore, to try to get them on it for at least six weeks. Um, it's just amazing. I have one woman, uh, her name is Carol Ann. She'd very much appreciate that I share her story. Uh, I just actually sent all of her data yesterday to Sean Baker uh, and to Amber O'Hearn because it's just so impressive. So Carol Ann came to us as a non-diabetic um, not able to lose weight. She had Ehlers-Danos syndrome and just totally, totally stuck uh, in her weight loss journey. Started working with us, lost some weight, and then she got a series of recurrent infections because of her autoimmune condition, her immunity is shot. And then she also had some freak things happen. She was in a train accident. She fell down an elevator shaft, like just really her brakes went on some car that she was in um, and just all the stress on the body. And her A1C actually went from 5.8 when we met her to 9.8. Um, after this year of infections and, and injury uh, accidents. And um, so things have been stable for a while. I, I know her person, like I gotten to know her personally. We, her diet keto was perfect, like absolutely perfect. No fake keto foods, no garbage, real food keto diet. And we could not get her A1C to budge, even with 72 hours of fasting, 48 hours of fasting. And I thought, like, what? Like, I thought she was going to be like my most lost case, like the one person I couldn't help. And I had grown really fond of her and I, it broke my heart. And I said to her, 
I had seen Sean Baker tweet some stuff about Ehlers Danos specifically and carnivore. And I said, Carolyn, would you try it? And I knew she loved her veggies. And she said, okay, I'll try it for six weeks. So she leaves the clinic. The next day she gets diagnosed with renal cell carcinoma. The tumor is 2.4 centimeters in diameter. So now everybody's got this stupid phobia about protein and kidney function. So she emails Jason and I, and she says, can I eat this, all this protein on a carnivore diet? And, um, and will it be fine with my kidney? Like I've got kidney cancer. They're telling me like, I'm just generally inoperable because of all of her other health issues. What do I do? And we said, stay on the diet, stay on carnivore, do your fasting. The fasting will balance it out is what we told her just to give her some peace of mind. Mind blowing. She started in January. She did blood work for us end of February. Her A1C had dropped from 9.8 to 6.1. It is now 5.2. Um, it is just mind blowing. Like this is after a year of nothing. And not only that, her tumor had changed in diameter from 2.4 to 1.7. And she's going for imaging actually uh, in November. So we'll see if it's further reduced. Her photos are like her before photos from, you know, after, even after like a year of doing fat, like two years of doing fasting and keto, she looked better. But she looks like 20 years younger now. Like it's unbelievable. I've never seen someone's A1C drop like that ever. So I, she was really inspiring to Jason and I this year. So we started putting all of our women with Hashimoto's disease, which is pretty much like every woman that comes into the clinic has Hashimoto's or something, uh, some thyroid issue. So we started putting them on carnivore and all of a sudden the weight is melting off like so much easier. They're not struggling with their fasting anymore. The fasting's becoming easy. And a lot of them are so afraid that, that you know, they're insulin resistant, they're going to eat protein to excess. They're actually eating less on the carnivore diet because they're not as just hungry. I think the, so physiologically, they're actually taking in a little bit less protein. So that's not the concern. So we encourage them, we'll eat more ribeye, you know, uh, you know have more salmon, you eat more beef um, then. And they're just doing really well. The drops in insulin levels are mind blowing too. Um, they're coming down, they're staying down, they're staying stable. Uh, we used to say that we could make everybody um, reverse their non-alcoholic fatty liver in six months, as long as they're consistent with us. We're seeing that dramatically, like in half the time, the reversal of that. It's really like the carnivore diet has been completely, completely uh, a game change, especially for women uh, that we see come into the clinic. For men, we see a big improvement with them too. Um, men like the simplicity of it, at least the men that I've worked with. So it enables a lot more compliance with them. So we're getting a lot of great results. When, as a believer in fasting, as being something that's really important, I like the carnivore diet a lot because it eliminates a lot of crap. Um, you know, I've run into patients at the airport eating, you know, a bag of almonds and I'm like, but those almonds are some roasted in sunflower seed oil and this really inflammatory stuff. Like it's no better for you. And nor are we meant as a species to ever sit down and eat a handful of almonds. Like think if we had to actually like shell those things in the past, it'd take us an entire day to shell like a handful of almonds. Um, so we're not, we're not meant to, meant to eat them like that. Um, so, you know, this is just, it really resonates a lot with people. Another thing too, across the board in men and women, because we're seeing, we used to see a lot of depression and anxiety in women. We're seeing it just as much in men who come into the clinic now. And like, that's completely gone. Um, other mental health issues, improvement in bipolar disorder, for example, uh, schizophrenia as well. We work with quite a lot of schizophrenic patients and I've noticed a big, it's, it's easier for them. It's less complex for the schizophrenic patients that we work with to just do carnivore. So since we've been able to offer this as an option for them, we've just seen some sort of mind blowing, mind blowing results with them as well.
Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the carnivore diet and fasting definitely work very well together uh, for myself. Uh, You know, I have one meal every day or two. And between those meals, I have absolutely zero hunger, zero cravings. And this coming from being a lifelong, you know, carb addict, white knuckling through every diet on the planet. Like it just makes it so easy and so natural. And uh, that that is probably one of the most common things that I hear is, wow, I can I can fast now. I used to never be able to do it. And now it's just so easy. And, you know, I have to remind myself to eat sometimes. I mean, it's just amazing when you hear people say that you had mentioned cancer earlier. And I wondered if we can talk a little bit about fasting and cancer. Uh, I know that, you know, like the work of Thomas Seafried and and others on cancer being a metabolic disease. Obviously, the insulin uh, regulation plays a huge role. But what are some other uh, aspects of fasting and cancer? What are you guys seeing? Well, Jason actually has a book come out called The Cancer Code. It will be out next fall, I believe, sometime in 2020. Um, We've got the PCOS solution coming out and The Cancer Code next year, um, in addition to a few other things. We're finding that um, we struggle with patient compliance and cancer because I think a lot of people emotionally have sort of given up and it's tough and I I don't blame them. I mean, I'm someone who's uh, who got really lucky when it came to a cancer diagnosis and I didn't really need any treatment, just surgery. And at that point, I was just about to embark on my fasting and ketogenic journey, which I think only helped it. Uh, But we're seeing that the reduction in insulin is is quite beneficial for those patients who are willing to be compliant um, with it. Uh, one thing, so we, we fast people with cancer, um, we'll fast them for 48 to 72 hours after chemotherapy treatment, or we'll do a 72 plus 248 hour fast during radiation therapies um, occasion, and we'll sort of stick to that regimen too, even if they're not having chemotherapy or radiation. We stick to water uh, and water only with some salt if they really need a pick-me-up during the fast. One thing that um, we used to do longer fasts with them, and then we got scared. Um, We have a patient. uh, She spoke on our old podcast, the Obesity Code podcast, and she, uh, she has a prolactinoma. So she has a tumor on her pituitary gland, which makes her body think that she's always pregnant. And... She came to us trying to see if fasting could help her lose weight. So, of course, she starts fasting. Hormonally, she's quite complicated because her body thinks that she's pregnant. Pregnancy is a time for growth. Um, And so we would have to do these longer fasting protocols with her 48s and 72s. And she started to lose weight. And then we started to see an improvement in her prolactinoma, like her her prolactin and uh, monomeric prolactin levels. And she then thought, well, maybe I can shrink this tumor. So she became, you know, really invested in the science, listening to lots of podcasts, doing lots of research. And she started doing lots of five-day fasts back to back. And her tumor hadn't grown and it hadn't changed sizes in about nine years. So we did this, uh, we ordered our annual MRI and her tumor grew. Mm-hmm. Um, so we scaled back down the fasting. Um, so she's doing 342s or if she gets into a plateau 248s or a 72 hour fast and sort of cycling through those. And then we had another annual MRI and we saw the tumor actually shrink to lower than the, like the baseline number that she came down with in terms of dynamic diameter. So since her, um, we've been a little bit extra cautious in recommending longer fasts. Uh, I know Jason and I have talked a little bit with Don Lehman, Jason more so, um, and she sort of capped all of the patients in her her uh, cancer clinic in the Oakland area uh, to 72 hours of fasting. So we're sort of sitting there tight, but we are seeing a dramatic reduction in insulin. We are seeing um, 
body fat reduction. We're seeing improvement in symptoms that come along with chemotherapy and radiation as well, um, particularly from patients who did a round of of it before. Um, they might be, had gone into remission and the cancers come back several years later, and now they're looking for more alternative therapies for it um, in conjunction with traditional medicine and noticing, they're commenting that the symptoms are not as bad, the side effects are not as bad, they're able to keep up with their regular activities. Uh, so it a lot comes down to sort of the patient's will. We recently brought a psychologist on our team to try to help find that motivation particularly in people in this stage of, of life um, to sort of stick with the protocols because we found it to be quite impressive. A, call, a patient of mine sort of slash turn colleague, Derek Green, um, he has a whole keto cancer uh, following on social media and um, like he should have been dead five years ago. Uh, but he was determined as a father. I forget if he's got four kids or six kids. He's got a lot of kids. Um, and he was a young guy. And he fully embraced the keto lifestyle. Now he's gone into the carnivore lifestyle, carnivore keto lifestyle, um, fasting. He was the first cancer patient we ever worked with as well. So he's definitely defied all the odds. His fasting insulin was extremely high. All of his inflammatory markers were just through the roof. All of them came down um, as soon as we started with him. With Derek, we were a little bit more aggressive and we do, um, after each chemo treatment, we would do a five-day fast uh, with, with him. Obviously, it worked, it worked quite well in his case. That's truly amazing uh, story. And I'm really looking forward to your books coming out next year. I know a lot of people are. I'm wondering if you could address some of the myths that are in the community and where there's a lot of confusion with eating a carnivore diet, having the increased protein, and where it could possibly um, or theoretically um People think it can shut down your kidneys. Uh, you see that a lot. Um, it's a great fear in the community. And also eating the excess of protein uh, with glucose. That's another thing that comes up a lot in the community. And I'm just wondering if you can address those topics and set the record straight for people. Yeah. A lot of the women that I work with because of our background in nephrology, so our background is in kidney disease. So a lot of the women that we work with um, in the clinic, they already have some degree of kidney disease. And then I tell them to go on carnivore and they look at me, they've got eight eyeballs because their proteins are leaking a lot of or their kidneys are leaking a lot of protein and they blame it on the protein. They get mad at the protein for leaking out of their kidneys. And I'm like, that's not the protein's fault. It's the kidney's fault. And you know what did that to the kidneys The sugar. The sugar destroyed the blood vessels within the kidneys and created these big gaping holes, which are causing it to leak out protein. So you need to eat protein. And part of the reason why you're struggling the way that you are struggling is because you're protein deficient. So you shouldn't be afraid of it. And this is just like the dumbest thing that I see in, uh, out there is if you're, they're leaking protein, it's like it's a protein's fault. Don't blame the steak for what the bread did. Like it's totally, totally wrong. Get the insulin levels down. Keep the sugar down. Um, give fast. Give the kidneys a chance to heal and repair. I mean, it is possible in the long term if you're consistent and compliant. And give your body the nutrient that is leaking out um, so it can function properly. And do you know what happens when women start cutting out the garbage? bringing their sugar levels down and their insulin levels down and following a carnivore diet, their urine protein levels drop like in half immediately. Like I do a urinalysis every four to six weeks in my patients and they'll go from having like a 50% like reduction within four to six weeks of switching to a carnivore diet. And they're just completely mind blown. I'm like, no, you're stopping the problem. You're fixing the problem through fasting. Oh, and now you're losing weight and you're feeling better and you no longer have that mental fog because you're eating adequate protein and what your body needs and your body's not losing as much of it anymore through your kidneys. 
So we actually see patients like stage three, stage four, kidney disease, go to carnivore diet and actually see a reduction in the amount of protein that they're leaking out of their kidneys, which is just really, 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 really cool overall. In terms of it spiking glucose levels, clinically, we haven't seen that at all. People, again, are eating less. Um, and we're seeing um, something that I forgot to mention, a huge reduction in high-sensitivity C-reactive protein, um, which is a cardiac inflammatory marker or just an overall mar marker of inflammation. Like that bottoms out um, on a carnivore diet with the combination of fasting. Um, it really bottoms out. So we're seeing a huge reduction in inflammation, uh, chronic pain go away, the desire to eat and to snack to help comfort themselves and the console themselves goes away. Just as you mentioned, the fasting becomes really easy. And now it's easy to go for a day or two days without without eating, you're giving more, your body more of a chance to heal and to recover and to patch up something. So um, you're seeing a, a bigger reduction in the amount of insulin resistance in your body too. And you know, I, it's, it's, really, it's really quite impressive, the combination of both and the impact it has on the body. Yeah. You guys are doing such a great job just dispelling all of the myths. It's amazing. The, the crazy stuff that you just hear authoritatively said by doctors and, and dietitians. One of the ones that I hear about a lot is, uh, oh, that's going to uh, crash your resting metabolic rate. And of course, as you guys have shown, the resting metabolic rate actually goes up within the first, what, up to five days of fasting. Mm -hmm. So I wondered if you can talk to maybe that or some of the myths about, oh, it's going to ruin your thyroid. If you can just address a few of the top misconceptions out there. Yeah, absolutely. So when when you fast, um, we previously touched base that your body produces counter-regulatory hormones. Um, so one of them is human growth hormone, as we mentioned. Another one is noradrenaline. And it's noradrenaline that's produced that really sort of maintains your resting metabolic rate when you're fasting. And over since 2016, there's been a bunch of RCTs that have come out that just demonstrate the, the superiority of alternate daily fasting over calorie restriction at maintaining resting metabolic rate, where each RCT has shown a clinically significant reduction in resting metabolic rate amongst the calorie restriction group, but has shown known, no clinically significant reduction in, in RMR in uh, patients who follow alternate daily fasting protocols. And it's all due to the the, nor, the noradrenaline, the counter-regulatory hormones that are produced while fasting, keeping your metabolic rate running high. We definitely have worked with women who have done low-calorie dieting for so long that we will put them on prolonged fasts and put them on a you know, very high-fat uh, diet uh, to help try to boost their metabolic rate so they can effectively lose weight. So the lowest we had someone come in was just under 500 calories was their resting metabolic rate. It was a young woman who started doing a 500 calorie a day diet when she was 12 years old to try to try to get control of her weight. That's what her doctors advised her. We brought it up to 1,300 um, just through alternating between five-day fast and five-day feast and going back and forth. And it took about eight months to bring it up that high. Um, and about halfway through the journey, she started to lose some weight, which was really motivating. So she was probably the person we fasted the most aggressively um, uh, since uh, since we started IDM. I'm sorry, I forget what was the oh, thyroid function. Um, so fasting, uh, you know those sayings that it's got to get worse before it gets better? Uh, <laughs> so with thyroid function, um, we don't pay a whole lot of attention to TSH levels. We pay a lot more attention to T3 levels. Um, you know, we are big believers in... Um, treating some of the symptoms of hypothyroidism till they can be reversed through diet and fasting with like desiccated thyroid rather than why give T4 to someone who can't convert T4 to T3 is kind of stupid. I've got a lot of opinions on hypothyroidism. Um, but with it, if a woman comes in, um, it with 
who has hypothyroid or even men nowadays uh, all over the place uh, are having it. Uh, we do see T3 levels get worse for the first four to six weeks that they start fasting. The body is under stress, trying to adapt, trying to get into that much of a state of uh, bad or bad adaption that quickly. Sometimes now we'll try more of a either carnivore or keto approach, depending on the patient before we flip them into fasting. Sometimes that's not always possible. So we'll put them into fasting and we see their T3 levels really bottom out. But then, you know, looking we so first four to six weeks, we see it get worse. And then about eight to 12 weeks out, we start to see it go back to its baseline. And then when you're looking, you know, three, four, or well, four or five months down the road, six months, we actually see it improve. So we have all kinds of women who came off of the terrible T4 that their unknowledgeable doctor had put them on, um, or come off of their desiccated thyroid, or even in some countries, they they do take straight T3, and they're able to come off that later on down the road. So it's usually about a six-month trend uh, till we see it reverse. But we're talking women who have been on like levothyroxine, so Synthroid or Eltroxin, um, for decades, no longer need it. But we do see it get worse. So for the first month or two, the hair is a big issue the mental fog, the feelings of coldness, all of that, like all symptoms of hypothyroidism are totally exacerbated. And then it levels out and then it starts to improve later on down the road. Um, Jason and I didn't think fasting would have a negative effect on thyroid function, but we didn't think it would have a very beneficial effect on thyroid function. And we were actually out with our friends from the low carb program and they were noticing, um, really great trends, really great reduction in TSH levels. Now to us, TSH is a mild indicator of T3, not, not always. Um, so we started testing T3 levels in our, in our patients uh, to sort of track, track that and to sort of see, uh, see what the progress was. Because we did notice a lot of them um, were symptomatic of worse, worsening hypothyroidism at the start. But then six months down the road, it improved. They didn't need medication or supplementation um, to help cope with the symptoms of it. Awesome. Yeah, I think uh, so the, the thyroid code maybe in 2021. <laughs> Maybe. I had to biohack the heck out of my thyroid for the longest time. Um, you know, for me, really sort of getting the body fat percentage ideal. I took getting to a carnivore diet. Um, I cycle carnivore. I'll, I'll be honest, I have a soft spout spot for Brussels sprouts. Um, but uh, the carnivore, because I want to get pregnant. And what better thing to fill your body with than animal fat um, in its purest form when you want to boost your fertility uh, than animal fat. And I want my kids to have the best shot off the bat in life. Um, so it, it's uh, thyroid. You know, there's this saying now that we joke about in the community that you're insulin resistant until proven otherwise. Like you're you're innocent until proven guilty. You're insulin resistant until proven not, because most people are. Um, but now I think you're hypothyroid. You know, male, female. It's just mind blowing. Um, just how many people are symptomatic of it. So I do know some people that are within the community that automatically default and put everyone on desiccated thyroid more so in Canada it's desiccated thyroid it's easy to get as Tylenol here um, versus in the United States I think it's a little bit more difficult just to help mitigate but then the goal is to cut people off of it after three months and let the diet and the fasting sort of take over and heal the body but just to use it as a crutch through the adaptation period so once I learn more about it uh, I would love to love to write write a book about it. That's awesome. Well, you guys are doing such incredible work. Such an honor to have you here today. I feel like we can talk all day. Uh, tell these guys like what's what's coming up for you, and then of course, how can they reach you? Uh, so we just launched a new fasting program. It's called the Fasting Method. You can find it at thefastingmethod.com, and we're opening up a fasting clinic in Houston, Texas. 
It will be called uh, IDM Houston, and it will be uh, run by a cardiologist named Dr. Nadir Ali. Um, big fan, big fan of his. So we're collaborating with his team. Uh, people want to find out more information about what we're doing. You can go to thefastingmethod.com or IDM.health uh, to learn more about what Jason and I are, are up to uh, and what books are coming out. And every every other week, I write a blog post trying. To Ex, trying to explain some of the clinical stuff that we're seeing in clinic or uh, Jason breaks down whatever's aggravating him the most in the space at the time. Jason's posts are a little bit more ferocious than uh, than mine. Um, so there's a good mix of everything in the blog. So you can check out what we're up to. Usually what we're writing about is a pretty good indicator of what we're, what we're working on and what's coming out. Uh, so Jason wrote a huge series Series on cancer and fasting a couple years ago. So his book will be out, PCOS. Uh, there's about a dozen blog posts on there, um, which are good insight to sort of what the book will have too. That's amazing. And thank you so much for what you and Dr. Fang are, and your entire team are doing in the space. Uh, we're very excited for 2020, uh, for all these books to come out. And thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me on, guys. I'm a big fan. So it's, it's an honor to be here chatting about um, not eating and eating steak with you. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Thanks, Megan. Thanks. The Auto Wild Grill is the king of sophistication, bringing that steakhouse feel into the comfort of your own home. Portable, easy to assemble and clean, the Auto Wild Grill packs a big punch in your grilling game. With only three minutes of preheating needed to 1,500 degrees Fahrenheit, you can expect moisture and flavor sealed within a gorgeous steakhouse crust in minutes. The secret is in the Auto Grill's radiant technology, which allows for higher searing temperatures, faster cooking, and juicy steaks. What are you waiting for? Save $300 off the purchase of your grill today. See the show notes for discount link and code. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast today, Mind Body Breakthrough. Chris and I truly appreciate each and every one of you. Be sure to subscribe and tell a friend and to join us in our free Mind Body Breakthrough Facebook community where you can start peeling away the layers of everything that's not you so you can be you.